Hello, church, and welcome to the FUMC Borough Podcast. This week, Reverend Drew Shelley is bringing us a sermon titled Discipleship in Action. He's preaching from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 33 through 50, and continuing in our sermon series, Discipleship in the Eyes of Jesus, A Journey Through Galilee. This is our third week in that series. We appreciate you joining us here on the podcast. We would also love for you to join us this coming Sunday at 8.30 a.m. for modern worship or 10.30 a.m. for traditional worship. Both of those services are offered virtually via our website, Facebook, and YouTube, or in person. Head on over to fumcm.org for more information about our safety protocols if you choose to join us in person. We are so glad that you have chosen to be in ministry here with us at First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And we pray that we can all live into our mission of growing disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. We continue in our series on intentional discipleship through the eyes of Jesus. We're walking through Galilee with Jesus in uh, the early chapters of Luke's gospel. We'll be in Luke's gospel for quite a, quite a long time uh, through Lent and then into Easter as well. We're looking forward to digging deeply into what Jesus said and taught and lived about intentional discipleship. Let's pray together before we hear from Luke chapter 7. Oh God, we give you thanks for your call on our lives. We thank you that you call us into something far deeper than just playing at church or just showing up on Sundays, but you call us into a way of life that we're seeing in Luke's gospel. Uh, But we confess it is hard. It's hard for us to think about living this way and for us to think about the commitment that it will take to do this. We pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to move among us to speak through us today and every day, that we may follow you on purpose for the rest of our lives and right on into eternity. Lord, open our ears to what you say to us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Let's hear the word of God. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, "Uh, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. Jesus went on to say, A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they both could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. The debts for both of them. Uh, 
Now which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. As Luke tells this story from Jesus' life and ministry, we are, at some level, invited to see where we fit into the story. With whom do you identify? We learn things when we put ourselves in the sandals of these fascinating characters. Let me set the stage just a bit for us. Simon the Pharisee is throwing a dinner party. Jesus seemed to like these things. He was always at a dinner party of some kind, whether it was with Pharisees or tax collectors or anybody else that you could imagine. It seems like Simon invited Jesus because he thought Jesus might have been some kind of a prophet. Dinner parties like this were semi-public affairs. People from the community would watch and listen. It was the original reality TV show. What else are you going to do in ancient Palestine in the evening? Watch the fancy people by candlelight. That's just about it. Simon's guests would have been reclining on the floor around a low table, feet stuck out away from the table, head propped up on left arm, eating with the right. It doesn't seem like the most relaxing way to eat supper, but that's what they did back then. Maybe about halfway through the main course, a woman just comes on in the house. Strange to us, but not not that unusual for them. She is the city sinner, probably a prostitute. She has this alabaster jar of ointment with her. She weeps over Jesus, washes his feet with her tears, dries them with her hair, and puts ointment on his feet. Simon did not offer any of this hospitality to Jesus when he came in. Now, this story is not to be confused with other gospel accounts of a similar story, which is more of a pre-burial anointing of Jesus. Luke says this one happened earlier on. Several things became really important in this moment. This woman, in her uncleanness, has made Jesus unclean. She has also brought dishonor upon the home of Simon the Pharisee by doing this strange thing. And finally, Simon begins to mentally question Jesus' prophetic ability. If this man was a prophet, he would have known who this woman is and what this woman is. I'm sure Simon also thought, how am I going to get her out of here, get Jesus out of here, and clean up all this ointment off my rug? You heard the story. Jesus openly questions Simon, the host, even though Simon never actually shares his thoughts. Jesus does ask permission, but then he goes into this hypothetical situation about these two debtors, one who owes $100 and the other who owes $1,000. Both debts are forgiven. 
Who will love this generous lender more, Jesus says. Simon answers why, the one with the greater debt forgiven, of course. It is a little internal parable about forgiveness, the grace of God, and our proper response of gratitude. I think about this story a lot uh, because it is not what it seems. It seems like the story of a woman overwhelmed with the forgiveness which Jesus has lavished upon her. But that isn't really it. It is actually, I think, the story of a table full of church people underwhelmed with Jesus' irresponsible giving of grace. It makes me think about all the ways people experience the grace and forgiveness of God we find in Jesus and the transformation that should always come, but that sometimes doesn't come. We all know people like this woman who never stop being overwhelmed by the forgiveness given to them by Jesus. It is always top of mind and front of heart. They are just moments away from tears of gratitude, and they approach the world with such lavish love and humility that they get into trouble sometimes, frankly. We also know people like Simon the Pharisee, good people, interested in Jesus, know a lot about Jesus, can give you all the right answers, but they approach the world with a religiousness that borders on legalism and sometimes even fanaticism. We get it. They've been raised and nurtured in that environment. They've never strayed. Their sins seem minimal. What else do we expect? It's all they've ever known. They have never not known that they are God's beloved child. A sense of entitlement is sure to come in that environment. But there are others who are a puzzle to me. We have a cousin who came up wild. Oh, my goodness. I could tell you some stories. At this point, we're all just glad he's alive. He encountered Jesus in his mid-twenties, and his life changed completely. He is a different person, and he can tell you all about the lavish love of God and the forgiveness he found in Jesus, the transformation, the personal transformation that he experienced. Just one problem, he's the most legalistic, pharisaic, judgmental person I have ever met. His words tell me he understands grace and forgiveness, but his life says he's trying to earn it and that he expects everybody else to do the same. That's troublesome, isn't it? Very troublesome. Then we all know those people who grew up in the church, uh, never did wander far away, maybe took a year off sometime during college, but that's about it. Sometimes they forget to do their daily devotion. Uh, We know these kind of people. They start out looking just like Simon the Pharisee, but soon come to have way more in common with this woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears. They are, like her, constantly overwhelmed by the love and forgiveness of Jesus. They, too, approach the world with such lavish love and humility that they get into trouble sometimes. They experience a transformation somewhere in there that some of us seem to miss. It has been said that our capacity to love with the love of God, I'm not talking about Valentine love here, our capacity to love is directly related to our ability to receive and incorporate the grace and forgiveness of God that we find in Jesus. I think that is the transformation pipeline along which we get hung up sometimes. The grace and forgiveness of God come as a gift in Jesus And we don't know what to do with that gift. Luke is trying to tell us both who Jesus is and what to do with that gift. Do we reciprocate? 
Do we write a thank you note? Why did they give us this? We don't deserve it. That's exactly the point of a true gift, and we forget that. In this kind of gift giving, God, the gift giver, has decided that you are worthy, that you are lovable, that you are valuable, that you matter, regardless of what you have done or not done. The gift comes with hope and the promise of life. When it clicks, gratitude and humility pour out from every facet of our lives. The way we live our lives tells the tale of how well we are incorporating God's gift of grace. Are we approaching the world with such lavish love and humility that we get into trouble sometime? Or are we reclined at our tables, feeding our faces and those of our friends while holding back even the most basic level of hospitality and welcome, even from Jesus? If you're like me, you're probably somewhere in between. I want you to see yourself around this table with Jesus and Simon the Pharisee and the woman who was a sinner. I want you to think with me about your own capacity to love with the love of God, expecting nothing in return, believing the best about people until it becomes true, not because it's already true, opening your hearts, extending hospitality to strangers, loving your enemies, and praying for those who persecute you. How are we doing in all of that? Could it be <clears throat> that the transformation of our hearts is still incomplete? Could it be that we have never let ourselves receive the forgiveness Jesus has offered? Could it be we have never forgiven ourselves? You can't love others well if you haven't loved yourself enough to forgive yourself. Could it be that we still feel like we must earn the favor of God with our actions and behavior and right answers? We need to work on those things, I'm sure, but they are the outflow of the favor God has already poured out upon you in Jesus. Could it be that we fail to recognize the deep brokenness with which every single human being is born and the overwhelming gift of grace which saves us from that brokenness in Jesus? Could it be that we're just having trouble with this scandalous and limitless grace of God? Could it be that we do recognize it threatens the stability of all those rules and regulations upon which we have built our lives rather than building our lives on the love of Jesus? Could it be all of that? Could be all of that and more, I am sure. I just know this. I sure want to be more like this woman and less like this Pharisee. I want to open my heart to the world with the love of Jesus and the humility of one who knows the immeasurable value of the gift God has given me. Maybe you want that too. Let's get there together as we follow Jesus on purpose. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Thanks be to God. Amen.